Welcome. We are the forgotten survivors of the sex industry. We are the spouses, partners, and exes of porn and sex addicts, and together we are the Butterfly Nation. Join us. I'm Allison. And I'm Sandy. We are the co-hosts of the Butterfly Nation. We're both survivors. We are both exes of porn and sex addicts. And today we're going to dig right in and discuss the signs of porn and sex addiction that we missed in our own marriages. Sandy, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your history. Thanks, Allison. I uh, certainly will. Um, I, a year ago, July 20th, actually, of 2016, I found out my husband was having affairs. Uh, and it was a couple of online affairs. However, we had been actually in marriage counseling for over two years previous to that because of uh, my husband having erectile dysfunction that we had mm. uh, put it down to um, – uh, put it down to high blood pressure and actual practice as more and more stuff came out over the course of a few days after July 20th, uh, we realized or I realized that it actually was porn and sex addiction induced erectile dysfunction. Um, yeah, let's talk about that, that for a second. Porn induced erectile dysfunction. I mean, yeah. that is something that's not really talked about in the advertisements for Viagra. I mean, you don't really hear about that much, but that's actually a huge problem. It is a huge problem, and and research is showing actually more and more that we tend to think of erectile dysfunction in older men, uh, you know, midlife crises kind of thing, or as they age and and so on, so 50s, 60s, um, that are experiencing erectile dysfunction, and that is a real thing, and they, you know, center urologists and so on. But studies have shown that actually erectile dysfunction, the highest rate of raising population is between 18 and 25-year-old males. And, That's right. Um, Can you imagine an 18-year-old boy has erectile dysfunction and needs Viagra? That's how, that's how powerful porn is. Um, yes. And that's, yes. How, that's how horrible it is. So, Absolutely. Sorry, and, it, and it's all, no, it's all about the, you know, the, the fantasy. The, it's not real. It's not reality of watching pornography. And uh, I know for my ex-husband, it was not only the porn and uh, the fetishes that went around with the porn that he was watching, that was the only thing that could get him excited. But what, what happens um, with the porn is that because it is fantasy, there is no emotional connection and it's something that they're watching. So it's no emotional connection. There's no vulnerability. There's no emotion in there at all. But with that's right. With and intimate, they get to be whoever, sorry. Right. No, go ahead. And they get to be whoever they want in their fantasies. So it's not just about, you know, really enjoying the, the body type that they're looking at. It's also that they get to be the most powerful, the richest, the funniest, the most important person in the world in their own fantasies, but we know who they really are. And for my ex-husband, that turned him off. It turned him off that I knew who he really was. He actually told me that. Yes, It also rewires their brains to look at idealistic and unrealistic images as the threshold to be turned on. And they can no longer be turned on by regular or actually real living women. Absolutely. And it's also the intimacy component because true intimacy with, with a partner that, you know, that they love and they still may love us, 
but not uh, not be attracted to us because it's not they, they don't get the dopamine rise they don't get the oh this is yes um, when they look at us and it's not us it's because we're not they're not we're not the fantasy so it's not that's us right. that's particularly right. right it's that we're not the fantasy but to be with us intimately there's vulnerability in that. They have to open themselves up. There's emotion in that. Whereas with pornography, mm-hmm. there is no, there isn't any of that. There's no, you can stay closed. You can stay protected. You can, as you said, you can be whoever you want to be. I know again with my, my partner or my husband or ex-husband, I guess, um, it was all about the fantasies and about control. And this is another sign, actually, of porn and sex addiction, is that most um, people with sex addiction must feel in control. And I'm not, yes. not, that's not to say, and that's most men must be in control. There are some women who may have sex addiction, and it's about being submissive. And usually mm-hmm. that okay. is a result of... Uh, again, from studies and, and so on, that is a result of uh, either childhood sexual abuse or uh, rape or sexual assault of some kind in which they, they believe that they only, um, the only attention or the only thing that they're good for is their body and which leads right. to the, the acting out. And that's the, I, I can't really speak to the woman's side. I can only speak to my experience of the, um, of the male. And having a, an right. ex-husband um, with us. I wanted to point out one other thing too that has um, that has come up in my own experience. It was really interesting because a, one great coach said something really powerful to me, and he told me it wasn't me; it was that I was a human. I'm a human. I have needs. I there like I have. You can smell like every human has a smell. There's there's liquids. There's all sorts of things it aren't there with a screen um, and that can be a huge turnoff for, for uh, porn addicts as well. Absolutely. And, and is the human along, component. Right. And, and to go along with that, when you're saying about having needs is the um, along with needs is as expectations, right? Real expectations right. about that intimacy and that contact and how do you please your partner um, for the porn and, and sex addict, they don't have to please anyone but themselves. No, exactly. It's all so and only it, about them. Right. Absolutely. So it, it's not, nothing else is there um, it, except themselves, they, themselves and the fantasy. And, and I, I, at this point in time, this is going to be for another show, it's the human trafficking um, component of pornography and whatever. But that's not what we're yes. here for. We're, we're here yeah. for um, uh, telling people, partners or ex-partners, you're not alone. And the main thing is it's not your fault. You did nothing. Absolutely. Nothing you did or didn't do, nothing you wore or didn't wear, nothing you said or didn't say caused this addiction, either porn or sex addiction, in your partner or ex-partner. This is something That's right. that it has, actually... Yeah, this is something that has starts, been in uh, yeah. yeah. Since Between adolescence. eight and twelve. That's that's yeah. the most that's yeah. the most common. Yeah. Um my ex husband started when he was six, so Right. And yeah. and whereas my ex husband was fourteen. 
Right. So ours, both of ours are a little bit out of the, out of the most popular or the most common ages. Um, but both started before they even knew who we were. Right. Absolutely. And that's key. Yes. So what were some of the other signs that you missed? What was going on there? Okay. So some of the signs that, that because I trusted him with everything in me, I mean, we were together 34 years, married, um, well, when I found out we were married 30 years and uh, had lived together for 33 years. And so, you know, when I found out, if if somebody had asked me the day before if my husband would ever have affairs, I would tell them that they were crazy. There was no way. Yes, Mm -hmm. we were having issues in our marriage. He said he didn't feel like a man because he couldn't get erectile dysfunction. But the other thing was that he said he resented me for the amount of time I spent doing my master's degree, which that was one of the signs. That was one of the signs. So not only the erectile dysfunction was placing blame. So if there was something, an issue in our marriage in which he felt he needed to go outside our marriage, um, to me, it doesn't, regardless of addiction, is not acceptable. If you're not happy in your marriage, you either try to fix it and, and be truthful and honest and open and get help with a, you know, a marriage therapist or you end it and before you go outside the marriage. And that's just my own morals and values speaking there. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a hint that he was placing blame on something very innocuous because I kept saying, well, then I can't change it. I did my master's degree for yes, for myself, but also for us to get, you know, a better paying job, to be, et cetera, et cetera, that this was the, the whole point, that, you know, the whole thing of doing the master's. And, um, but he resented the time. And yet as I, I think of the time I spent, it was mostly during the day when he was at work. I kept my weekends free for the most part. There were sometimes I had assignments and stuff to do on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But I kept my weekends free for him, for us. Wow. And so it didn't make any sense. So for those over two years, I kept saying, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? How come you don't desire me? What? And he would respond, he didn't desire anyone, in which I would say, yes, you do, because I can see it in your eyes when you look at other women. So that was wow. something that I ignored, because he was looking at other women. He would make comments about other women, but now I know he was picturing them in bondage, because that was his thing, was the bondage piece. That was his, that was his go-to. That was his. So he was picturing always, didn't matter the age of the woman, could be 18 years old. Uh, I found out he was just a few months shy of 60. So they could be 18 years old or they could be, you know, in their 50s. Um, It didn't matter. That's what he pictured. And but he could not picture me in bondage because I hated it. And so that's that's where the intimacy went. Other things that I ignored was the amount of time he spent on his computer. Um. If I was home from work before him, the first thing he did would be to go to his computer. It wasn't about, can I help you with dinner or anything? It was he opened his personal laptop and or he was always on his phone. And his phone was always going off, always an email coming in. And he said, oh, it's my cousin. He must be sending me a bunch of jokes. And sometimes that was. But now I know it's because he had um, by by he doesn't say this but he told me two to three new women every month and it started as soon as we got high speed internet in 2008 so for eight years uh two to three women every month was close to 300 online affairs 
which also then led to, under his disclosure, two in-person affairs having to do with bondage. But I also found out he has also had four women at uh, places that he's worked that he's had um, emotional relationships with. He says no sex. Uh, I think he was trying to groom them. But again, that is that it doesn't matter. He still had affairs with them. Uh, so the Absolutely. amount of time he was on his computer, the amount of time he was on his phone, he couldn't stay away from his computer. Like I said, we were in marriage therapy. And in marriage therapy, one of the things was, okay, after 7 o'clock at night, no computers, no phone. And he couldn't stop. He would, it would do it for, he would do it for a day. I think the longest was two days. And then he was right back at it. And he goes, oh, I'm just checking work emails. And, it's, and it would just go right back into the pattern. Um, he started getting up earlier and earlier in the morning. So I was sleeping. He was always an early riser anyway, but he started waking up earlier. Other things was that he no longer changed like his underwear in front of me. So he would get up in the morning, head right to the bathroom because I would be sleeping, but he would shower and he would get dressed in the bathroom where he always did in the bedroom where I was. Um, Things that I noticed after was, of course, the grooming of himself in his private area. Um, he always, always needed to get the mail. He didn't want me to get it. He said, nope, that's my job. So he always made sure he was home from work before I was because he needed to get the mail. Well, now I find out from him that that was because he was afraid some of the hotels were going to send him stuff in the mail and he had to make sure there was nothing that I would see. But there was also invoices or receipts for because he bought sex toys and that kind of stuff. Um, so basically, he, that was part of him covering his trail and, yes, and, yes. and keeping, maintaining his double life. Yes, money missing. So right. he, there were times that we would really try to budget. Uh, he's, a, he's in sales, so he can be anywhere at any point in time. Uh, but he's also 100% commission, and I'm self-employed. So there are times that, you know, it's the feast or famine. So we would have to really knuckle down about, and, and uh, you know, he would have 20 or 40 bucks. And in a few days, it would be gone. And I'd say, like, what did you spend it on? Well, I, you know got lottery tickets or I did this or that. Um, but those were all lies. Those were all part of his deceit because he actually, and after dis, uh, dis, after disclosure, I found this out, he had an envelope that that money went in. And as soon as he had enough for hotel room, he would be able to go and pay cash or to take someone wow. out for lunch. So he was taking all these women for lunches, for meals, um, you know, buying coffees, um, just showing up treating them to things and along with the hotels. Right. And then of course uh, I also found patterns. um, uh, This is after the fact, but things that, um, that are now high, he had uh, an, um, an Apple account, but he had an Android phone. Well, he got an Apple account because um, you can get iTunes through Apple. Well, he would go to mm-hmm. places and buy an iTunes card, and I would think he was getting groceries or whatever. So that would be – I didn't see the receipt. It was just <laughs> I bought these groceries. But he would buy that, and he would use that in order to go on dating sites because through iTunes you can see, go on Tinder. Um, I want to address that for a second, Sandy, because sure. one thing that people outside of our world don't understand is how good these guys are at covering yeah. their trails. Yeah. And I'll definitely tell you about my experience with that um, coming up here, but they are masters of deception. They have been practicing how to deceive and hide 
since their addiction began. So yeah. for your for your ex husband, that was when he was fourteen, and you found out when he was sixty. Sixty, yeah, That's he was forty six yeah. years yeah. of practice. Yes. And for my ex husband, who's now forty eight, he started when he was six. That's yeah. forty two years of honing of that skill. Right. Of hiding it. Of hiding it. Oh yeah. And um, so two other main things that I, I want to say, he's always been a big flirt. He's always needed the attention from other women, but the flirting would, would go on the uh, very much the sexual side, um, constant use of sexual humor. Uh, he would, it was always sexual preoccupation, um, you know, uh, objectifying women and the the other one that really is for me and now bear in mind I was 20 years old when when I met him or not met him but um, was with him I started dating him when I was 21 and we lived to get we moved in together just just a few months after that was um, 100% control in the bedroom so in the 34 years that we were together I can count on one hand the number of times I tried to initiate and I was rejected every time. What would happen? Time. You were rejected. I would just. And how, how did that kind of play out? Well, I would just, okay, he, <clears throat> he needs to lead. It needs to be, he needed to do the when, where, the how, when, where, and yeah, how, like all of the, you know, the when, where, whatever. It needed mm-hmm. to come from him. Um, how did I, that feel to you? I hated it. I felt, uh, I didn't feel desired. I felt invisible. Um, I felt invisible. something was wrong with me. And then I, I, I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the way men are. He was my first mm. true love. Uh, and I thought this is, and I, I came from a history of childhood abuse. Um, and, uh, and I was raped when I was 18. So wow. I, I really didn't have much experience in a healthy way and he showed me outside of the bedroom how wonderful he was how kind how considerate and so this was an idiosyncrasy I thought well I can I can live with I can live with but now I know that this is a huge red flag huge red flag absolutely and hindsight is 2020 so I, I think, Allison, for us, is the, the purpose of, of this show is to, you know, to, to let people know they're not going crazy. Trust your gut. Hmm. Your gut. Was, no matter how many know, times you're told you're being crazy or you are crazy or you're right. overreacting, you're not. Right. right. Any of so, things. Allison, how about for you? What signs did you ignore? Or, or well, I, I, can, I won't even say ignore. It's that we believed in them so greatly. I know for me, I believed in my partner so incredibly greatly and trusted him with everything in me. I never even dreamed that he could be having affairs or this could be a thing. How about you? Absolutely. You know what, Sandy? I'm in the same boat. Um, so I was married for 10 years uh, and had lived with my ex-husband for 13 um, I found out in June 2016 what was really going on. And we're going to cover that in the next episode. We're going to talk about discovery, which is yes. the phase of finding out what is actually happening in your life when you thought your life was completely different. Yes. Um, so we'll save that for next time. But it was a, 
there were a lot of there were a lot of signs that like you I didn't know were attributed to sex and porn addiction because I didn't even for me I didn't even know that that was real I thought it was a thing that guys said to get out of having affairs meanwhile I was so lucky because I was married to a feminist and he was such a good person because he he his career was working with seniors and and he was he was so kind and gentle and uh well if you don't count when he exploded with anger, if you don't count that part. So I would ignore that part. Um, but that's something that is actually quite common that you see in, in uh, sex and porn addicts is this, the double life that I mentioned before. So for my ex, in my opinion, what he was doing with his feminist, you know, persona and with his, with his helpful, kind, and generous persona, was he was trying to make up for his evil side that nobody knew about. He was trying to make up for that. Um, my ex also had uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, which I didn't recognize as that at all. I didn't realize that that was a thing. I'd never heard of that. Um, like you, I thought it was, okay, he's getting older, even though he wasn't. I mean, he was in his late 30s when, when that started. So, I mean, that's not really the age where that would naturally start. However, you know, he was on medication, and I knew that he was really self-conscious in the bedroom. So I thought it was all psychological, etc. I came up with all these, these things without ever knowing that porn could actually do that and does that all the time. Um, another kind of huge red flag that I missed because the information is not out there was I actually had a sexless marriage. And what that means is the definition of a sexless marriage is having a sex less than one time a month. Mm -hmm. I was less than one time a year for the last, I'm going to say, well, actually since marriage, I had this great, great sex life at the very beginning. We had tons of sex. It was fun. But then that point in the natural progression of a relationship where it becomes more intimate and romantic and emotional didn't happen. I didn't ever get that making love. I, there was no foreplay. There was no anything. And I stopped, I stopped liking sex. And he, I started saying no because, you know, I would just make something up often, right? Like, oh, I just, you know, oh, I have a headache or I'm tired or whatever, all these typical excuses. But I never really looked into it myself of what, why, why am I feeling that way? It just seemed like a natural reaction and he seemed to not care. And he, so he stopped asking and he, uh, so we stopped having sex altogether. Um, And it's, it's since then that I found out that about one third of sex addicts are in sexless relationships. Yeah. So that's actually yeah. common. Um, well, I, I'm so. It, yeah. Go ahead. No, it's insane. Oh, and there, there's two sides to that. There's absolutely um, either the it's either escalating sexual demands, and at first it can be escalating sexual demands, and then it it ch- can change to the reverse, where um, where they become so absorbed in their own sexual fantasies, which is the porn or without affairs outside of their their main relationship, that they no longer display any interest in sexual activity with their partner. They, they, that's right. And, and, and that was, that was my marriage. 
for sure. Yes. And that without that question. Was mine, that was mine as well. That was mine as well. So, uh, for the last right. five years of our marriage, there was very little to no intimacy at all. Right. So at the beginning, like I said, I mean, by the beginning, I mean, like the first, you know, few months, it was, I mean, we tried toys, we did all this stuff. And we had, we would have sex multiple times a day. I thought it was just so great. But like I said, the connection never came. And I ignored that because I just liked him so much. You know, I liked him so much. He was such a good person. So I'm just going to, you know, I can give up. You know, I actually thought to myself, I remember this. I thought, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice his sex life for this relationship because he's such a good person. And so I'm not, I, I will sacrifice that. And that was a conscious decision on my part. Yeah. I said the same thing is, in marriage counseling. I said the exact same thing. Right. If we never, if wow. we never have sex again, I'm okay with that. As long as I know that you want me. In other words, when we're in bed together, that you're holding me, that we spoon like we used to, because those are other signs. He started sleeping with his back to me. And then he was said it was because mm-hmm. of the way his back hurt. So we needed to sleep that way. So we switched sides of the bed, but it didn't matter. As soon as we switched sides of the bed, his back was to me. He was rolled the other way. So it was a lie. And yeah. it, it just, and I, I didn't pick up on it. I didn't wow. pick up on yeah. it. Yeah, because yeah. you didn't know that it was a sign of this. We're not taught this. Um, and that, you know what? And one thing that I, you, you were saying that, that um, your ex-husband would flirt and, and make comments and joke about sex all the time. My ex-husband was the opposite. I never saw my hu- ex-husband um, looking, at a, looking at another woman, one, not one time. I never found, right. to this day, even after discovery, I have never found porn. Um, and I went through a big phase during discovery where that's all I did. I was looking, 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 never found it. Um, he rarely joked about sex. Um, he, he didn't, he would never, like I said, I never saw him do the up and down on another woman or even stare or linger stare at another woman ever. So I've thought with everything in me that he was a feminist. Um, and he'd taken women's, I mean, listen, he had taken women's studies in university as right. part of this facade. He had, right. he has a degree in psychology. So he knows how to do this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yes. yeah, there, there, were, um, there weren't really, I, I saw him as nearly sexless. And another part of the puzzle for me was when I looked at, um, I did ask questions to myself. Why is my, why is my marriage sexless? And I never got this even as an option, by the way. Porn-induced was never even it didn't even come up in my Google searches, et cetera. But I think it's just really important to note that I also looked up his medication that he was on, and one of the side effects was low libido. So in my right. mind, this was completely normal. It was an right. effect of his side, a side effect of his medication. Yeah. Um, so everything was fine. Well, it yeah. wasn't fine. And, and, and throughout throughout my marriage, I always felt like there was something wrong. Like I knew something was wrong. Um, my instincts told me something was wrong, but I didn't ever have a clue what it was. I actually thought that it was him dealing with his uh, childhood trauma, which he had a lot of, um, and, you know, depressed because of his career. Um, all, I would attribute all these different things. And I, and I remember I actually even asked him, 
a few times, listen, can we go to marriage counseling? Because I feel like something, we, like we need to do something. And he would always respond that, no, he thought our marriage was just fine and we didn't need counseling. So I would say, okay. And that was it. Um, there were a lot of other signs. I was definitely objectified, but I didn't really know what that meant or what it looked like. So what it, what it meant was that he didn't, he didn't see me as a human. He saw me as his possession. As a thing. I didn't have feelings. Yeah, right? I didn't yeah. have yeah. feelings, needs, wants, desires. Um, I didn't matter. And, and I noticed that you used the word invisible. And that was my life. I was invisible to him. Um, it, was, it was horrible. And I, I, was in, I didn't know what was going on. So what I did was I retreated further and further into myself. And I became a shell of who I, who I am. I, I, was, I felt totally worthless. And I didn't know why. Um, he also would have very short temper, very short temper over things that would seem just ridiculous, like like the spoon fell off the counter. I mean, oh, my God, he would yell and scream and swear, and, like, it was scary. And um, and that's actually another – that is a symptom, that kind of short-tempered fuse. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone with a short temper is a sex addict. But this is one of the symptoms that is that is pretty common, um, overreacting, um, name calling. He would call me names, and I would call him on that once in a while. Like he would call me a bitch. He would he would all he would often allude to uh, uh, that I was stupid. It's like he thought I was stupid, and so then over time, I thought that I was stupid. Right. I thought I was dumb, and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so other kind of things, so just kind of overall the way I was treated was a big red flag that I didn't recognize. Um, more kind of direct things were he worked part-time. Um, he has for years. And so every Friday I would be at work all day and he would be at home. And when I'd get home from work, I was always hoping, hey, like maybe he'll clean the house or maybe he'll, you know, do something with the pets or maybe, you know, but every single time it was, oh, um, I don't really know where the day went. I don't know what happened. I don't, oh, I just, I just didn't end up getting anything done. Well, yeah. you know what? Now I know it'll, it'll, you sure as hell did. Right. That, and, that, and he also. No, go ahead. During those times. So if whenever I wasn't home, if I phoned him or texted him, if I phoned him, he would maybe answer the phone one out of 100 times. He never answered my calls. And texting, if he was at home and I wasn't, very rarely would he get back to me within any right. reasonable, normal amount of time. And I, I always thought that was strange, but I didn't really get it. Now I know he was busy with his porn. Mm-hmm. Or who knows what else. <laughs> so, and that's why he would ignore me. Well, a couple of things I just want to touch on that um, that you had said was uh, one was the, the the mood swings, his anger, and that is quite common when uh, porn and sex addiction is becoming more and more. They the person becomes withdrawn and distant, and they lose the ability to engage mentally with anything else they're doing because they're they're just completely 
focused on the porn and, and the sex addiction. And they become physically withdrawn and absent as more time is devoted to receiving that sexual gratification. When the, they withdraw, they have mood swings. So they, there's an elevation, right? So the, the, just like any addiction, there's a rise in the dopamine level. Well, that after watching porn or after acting out um, sexually, whether that's online or with someone, the just like just like a, a person who is an alcoholic has uh, you know drinks alcohol and it feels good, and then it's coming out of their body and the dopamine level drops drastically. It's the same with coming um, after sexual activity. Those mood swings, that elation, that rise in dopamine actually falls very quickly, but then are replaced with feelings of shame and guilt. Shame, guilt, and right. despair. And it's these downswings may also be involved, like are what is, what is causing the anger. And especially if we try to reach out, to say, you know, what's wrong? Like, what, why are you so angry? And if we try to question their mood or their behavior, the, the anger and so on can actually escalate. Because they know what's wrong. Absolutely. But they can't tell Quickly you. and fiercely, I might yes. add. Quickly yes. escalate and fiercely escalate. Yeah. It's, it's yes. scary. Absolutely. It's scary. Absolutely. Um, I, another thing that I wanted to, to touch on when you said um, he worked part-time, so on Fridays, but he would actually do nothing, that is also another sign. When I said about my husband getting up, my ex-husband getting up earlier and earlier, he used to um, get up just, you know, at just after five and be at work by 6.30. And then all of a sudden, um, he wouldn't be leaving until 6.30. And then he wouldn't be leaving until quarter after seven. And I would, you know, I would get up at 6.30, quarter to seven, you know, shower, come downstairs. Uh, I left at eight o'clock. And, and the, the last year that we were together, he was leaving at the same time I was. But he wow. would be up earlier and earlier. And by the time he came downstairs at just after seven, he would just then start doing his breakfast. So he already had a couple of hours on the computer watching porn and, and having his chats, uh, you know, the affairs online. And he would be, and I would say, well, what have you been doing? And he would get angry with me. I've just, I was checking the right. sports highlights and I was checking the weather and I was checking mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I got lost in Facebook and I said, well, what? Like, like, like yeah. yeah. And so I would be like, how dare I ask him? But I was just curious. Like, he was always. Totally. But then, and he started coming home from work earlier. Another sign was that he always needed me to tell him when I was leaving my office. When are you coming wow. home? Because he would get home before me, but then he knew how much time he had to watch his porn or to interact online, webcam, videos, whatever he was doing, because then he knew and he never, ever had supper started when I came home. Not that he was a cook. His cooking is hot dogs and frozen pizza, but even that would not be be ready. It would be when I'm coming in the door, he would just be coming up from getting something out of the freezer. and Or his excuse wow. would be, well, I didn't know what you wanted. And I said, at this point, anything. But he would be so, yeah. so those are signs. The other, when you said For sure. about uh, oh, your but can, ex- I just, can I just get a little bit more into that sure. one, Sandy? Because Absolutely. Um, one thing I was going to mention, too, is that for as long as I can remember, my ex would get up in the middle of the night after I was asleep, 
yep. and be up for a few hours and then right. go back to bed. Okay. I thought this was just him having trouble sleeping, some like yep. a type of insomnia. Yeah. No. He yeah. was he would get up in the middle of the night. I would be sound asleep in bed, not knowing anything, and he'd go and he'd be watching porn. And um I had absolutely no idea. And it was actually interesting because after discovery, um so again, for, for the listeners who aren't familiar with that term, discovery is the time is that is a period of time when you're finding out what's really happening in your marriage. So during that time for me, I be for part of it, I became somewhat of a spy. And um, I remember one night I woke up and he wasn't in bed. So I knew who he was. So that meant he was downstairs on his, on his computer and I was upstairs. I got very quietly out of bed. And I tiptoed to the end of my bed, and then I stopped and I listened. And about two minutes later, he called up and asked if I was awake because he he was so attuned to the environment and getting caught and hiding that he heard me get out of my bed and tiptoe, and he knew that I was up. Right. And so he turned off his computer. I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, there's no way he should have even heard that. Right. But that's how tuned in and good he was at hiding it. Yeah. So he said later too, um, I asked him during discovery, what, um, when did you do this? And he said, anytime I got the chance. So then that means that there were so many times, right? All, all day, every day he would now, now I looking back, like he sure did take long showers. He'd be in there for like an hour. He sure went to the bathroom for a long time every morning. It'd be like an hour and a half in there, an hour. And I just thought, okay, well, it takes him a long time, you know, whatever. Right. right. But now I know. So all of yeah. those kind of big gaps of him not being there yeah. Yeah. were signs that I missed. That's and, another um, sign, phone in the bathroom. Absolutely, phone, iPads, yeah. all of that. And I remember actually near the very beginning of uh, the relationship, he was in the bathroom and he'd been in there for a while and I knocked on the door and I said, are you like, we had one bathroom at the time. And, and I said, are you, um, are you going to be very much longer? And he screamed at me for that, for asking him that question. And so I never did that again. Like I just, I, it scared me. Um, and you know, I, I, there's, there were some financial uh, signs as well that I totally missed. And that was, for a long time, um, he, I would look at our bank statements and he'd be taking out like between one and $300 cash. Are you there, Allison? Oh, your voice just cut out. What's going on? And he said, oh, I just prefer to have cash for my lunches and, and smokes and stuff. And I was like, okay. And I didn't question that because I trusted him Absolutely. Like you, if you had told me the day before I found this out that my ex-husband was watching porn even, let alone a porn addict and, who, and going to strip clubs and getting private dances and all of this other stuff, I would have laughed at you Yeah, because he presented himself as the opposite of that to me right. in every well, and, way. Yeah. There, there was a time when you said about tiptoeing. I had done this the same. He would be down on the, the, the couch, and there would be, there were times that I 
I would just be at the top of the stairs and I could see him on his phone. I couldn't see who he was talking to or what he was doing or saying, but he was, he was returning emails, whatever. And he didn't know until after discovery that I said, you know, I, I saw you and, um, but I knew it would just go into an argument if I asked you. So I, I, so that was my own denial. That was my own denial that I need, I, you know, I own, but when you say about the money, well, I'd, I already mentioned that just missing, it, it would just burned a hole in this pocket. Like just, we could never seem to get ahead, never save, but it just burned a hole. Other things were um, the, um, when, when about the time he started getting up at four or three o'clock in the morning, waking up, having a shower. And he said, I just couldn't get back to sleep. So I thought I would just get up. And by the time I went downstairs, you know, four hours, four and a half hours later, he would still hadn't had breakfast and he was always a person. As soon as he got up, he showered right away, got dressed and in like two minute shower, got dressed and went downstairs. And then he had to eat. He had to eat right away. If we were, if we went away for a weekend to a hotel, we always brought food so he could eat because he always started to feel weak. He needed to eat as soon as he woke up and, um, but he wouldn't eat. And other right. things that he stopped doing. One of the things he loved hockey watching hockey, um, uh, national hockey. And Toronto Maple Leafs are his favorite. He would watch the Leafs, you know, um, every game. He just needed to watch hockey, and which is fine. Great. That would be okay. Quite often when we in our younger years, I'm not a big TV person or, you know, as hockey, but I would lay with my head in in his lap reading a book because I love reading as he's watching his hockey. Well, he stopped watching hockey. He would start watching it. Like he would start watching a game, but he wouldn't very long be sitting on the couch and then he would be back to his computer. And then he would say, you know, I haven't watched a whole game this season. I'm just so busy. And I'm going busy doing what? You're not busy at work. Oh yeah. I guess he was busy. But it's, I want to interrupt. I I just want to interrupt our stories for a second. Sure. Because I wanted to let everyone know that they can call in if there's anyone oh, listening who wants to call in and talk about their story. Uh, if they have any questions for us, please do. Uh, the number is one six four six seven eight seven eight five eight zero. That's one six four six seven eight seven eight five eight zero. 787 Sandy and I are both certified coaches in the, in the Mindful Habit System. Um, which is a system for recovery from porn and sex addiction, and we both specialize in partners. So please give us a call anytime. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sandy. I just wanted to make sure that people, the lines are open, and you can call in if you want. And you can be anonymous. Pretend you're somebody else. Give us a fake name. It's totally cool. We totally get it. And not only call in, but you can uh, you can find us on blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash the Butterfly Nation. You will find us actually right in our room right now, and you can call through your computer at no cost. And um, it all you have to do is just connect, and you will be able to um, uh, talk to us and uh, ask any questions. And again, that it's done anonymously. So feel free if you have any questions to do that. The other is if you have any questions after you that you're not comfortable asking um, on live radio, please feel free to send us an email uh, or find us on Facebook. 
So I'm um, empowering Sandy Johnston at Empowering Counseling and also uh, the Empowered Butterfly. And Allison, and my email is sandy at empoweringcounseling.ca. Allison, if you want to give your email and, and your Facebook link. Absolutely. So you can find my business, uh, The Butterfly Habit, uh, on Facebook. I have a page there. Now, there's also a secret group. Uh, that I have that you're more than welcome to join. Please, this is going to be just partners talking about our experiences, validating each other, going through our emotional kind of um, experiences together. And so please uh, message me if you'd like to enter that group. Now, if you're a Facebook group, that means that nobody's going to be able to find it unless they ask me. (laughs) So no one will be, it'll never show up in your feed. Nobody will ever know that you're in it. Nobody can see the members of it. It's, it's totally confidential, and that's really important, I think, for us partners. Um, I also have a website up that I'd love you to check out, look at my coaching, uh, look at some of my experiences, and find some other resources and videos on there, and that's uh, thebutterflyhabit.com. And, yeah, my email address is coach at thebutterflyhabit.com. So please contact me. We can talk anytime. You can message me through Facebook, anything you like. Um, I'm here, I'm listening, and I get it. So um, thanks for that, Sandy. So let's kind of go back into our our stories. So I right. just wanted to say uh, well, too, that I also. So I was going to say about the passion. Um, things that um, so not only hockey, but he had a passion for playing the guitar. He stopped playing his guitar, and he stopped. He liked investing, and he stopped doing that as well he loved working with his hands woodworking all kinds of home you know renovation stuff he stopped it all the more and more as more and more porn and sex addiction got uh bigger he just he just stopped doing all of it it just took over his entire life um yeah so and okay continue allison Sure. So um, another thing financially that I, that I didn't mention was I had, I, I was the breadwinner in, in my marriage. Okay. Um, and we had a lot of joint credit cards that were under my name, but then he would be the additional. He had his own credit card. Um, he had one credit card that was just his and I never saw, I never even looked. I didn't even ask to see the bills because I totally trusted him. Um, I do remember one time though, I was looking at one of the bills of our, one of our joint accounts and there was this really weird address on it, like a really weird charge. And I asked him about it. I said, you know, what's this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Um, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I've been doing a lot of online shopping, so it must just be something from that. Wrote it off, never thought about it again. Now after discovery, I looked at one, I found one statement from his credit card and it was maxed out, but it had one charge on it. And it was a weird charge. And I asked him about it. And he said, at that time, he said, oh, I don't know what that is. So I started Googling it. And it was a porn site. And he had subscribed to that. And then, of course, he said, well, that's the only time I ever did it. And if you want me to believe that the only time I I happened to find the one statement in 10 years of having a credit card that has one porn charge on it, absolutely not. I don't believe that at all. Um, I think the biggest sign that I missed was I looking at it, I, I can't even believe that I trusted him this much. And it was so, so what happened was um, he had a nephew. He, well, he still has a nephew, uh, you know, about 19 years old. And his nephew 
wanted to lose his virginity. And so my ex comes and tells me, you know what, I'm going to take him to a massage parlor because he wants to have sex with an Asian girl for his first time. And I looked at him and I didn't, I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to think. I, I, okay. I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's insecure. He's just trying to be like the cool uncle right now. I can't, I don't, I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to say anything because it's not, it's not my business. Like his, his nephew's sex life is not my business. And, and so I was just like, okay. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he, he went and they went and, um, I asked him about it when he got home. I said, um, so what did he think? And my ex got this kind of distant look on his face and he said, it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. She didn't really want him. In my head, I was thinking, of course she didn't want him. She's a sex slave. But I didn't say that. Um, But I thought, there was a little flash in my head that said, he sounds like he's talking about his own experience. Um, I didn't listen to that. And I said, well, so what did you do? He's like, well, I just sat in the parking lot. I said, okay. They made very obvious moves to have his nephew pay him back in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember his nephew said, here's $180. And in my head, I was like, God, that sounds like a lot. I Googled it after discovery. Guess how much it it is usually? $90 an hour. What's 90 times two? 180. 180, yeah. Which is the amount that he, was, he, was, he gave my ex. Right. I don't believe that now, now knowing all of this, I absolutely don't believe that he just sat in the parking lot. There's right. no way. He's, he, had, he had sexual compulsions. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. And I didn't know it, and I, I was scared to say anything because I thought, it, like, weird. Like, what the heck? that I don't, I just, it was so foreign and I didn't understand how, how it could work. So I just didn't think about it. I didn't let myself think about it. And, um, to that effect, I also, at one point I wanted to get in shape. One, one of the symptoms for me of being in this relationship and and the way that I reacted to it. So through no, I, I do not blame my ex for my reactions, just like I will not take blame for his reactions. But, um, I gained a lot of weight and I decided that I wanted to exercise and what a cool thing to do would be, Hey, what if I, what if I learned how to pole dance that could like maybe add some sex life back in. Right. So I, I looked into taking pole dancing lessons um, with the idea that I would be doing it for him. And I told him about it and he said, that's gross. That's slutty. I don't know. You should not do that. You shouldn't do that. That's, that's gross. I don't, that doesn't turn me on. And so I didn't take them. But I didn't really think anything of that comment until later when I realized, when I found out not only did he go to strip clubs, which I knew, I knew about three times that he went to strip clubs with his friends. I thought, okay, whatever, they're just going to a strip club. I didn't know anything about this. Um, it turns out he, he admitted later that he was getting private dances. So, but he told me, of course, that strippers didn't turn them on because they were sweaty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I missed. I that was that was the biggest red flag for me. He said he hated them. Uh, the, he said he hated. After he came back, I said, "How how was it one night?" And he said, "I hated it. it was awful." 
And I thought that was his feminist side trying to, you know, justify or like trying to work through what, what he had done. So, so there were, those were kind of really the, the strip, the stripper, um, not wanting me to be a stripper and the going to a massage parlor were the two huge red flags that I missed. Other than that, like I said before, I didn't see any porn. He didn't look at other women. He didn't look at anyone. I thought he was sexless basically. And I was willing to give that up for, for my marriage because, because I thought that he was such a, a good person because that's the side he presented to me. Right. And that's, that's the exact way that, that I saw him too, was this, this other, this wonderful man who would do anything. Um, and yet he was doing that in order to make himself feel better for the other life he was leading. And he was trying to, and I, and, and now I also know that's part of the manipulation in this, that's part totally. of the manipulation uh, that they have. And, and it's, it's a component of them trying to make themselves feel better. Well, if I do this and this over here, um, then it'll make up for what I'm the, the life I'm leading over here that she doesn't know about. And, um, Absolutely. and then once I knew about it, once I found out after discovery, and that's again, will be another show. When we were alone, he was no, nowhere near that nice guy. Nowhere near. Oh my gosh, me too. He turned into like this monster. I was afraid of him. He was so abusive. He would yell at me, scream at me. He would call me names. He would tell me he wasn't attracted to me. He would tell me he was attracted to every woman but me. He told me that I was gross, that I was dumb. He would just, it was horrible. It, I, and that, that is, that's our next episode. And we want to make sure that everyone is kind of, is kind of, pumped for this because we are going to be talking about discovery and that is a time of that can include extreme psychological and emotional abuse absolutely all kinds of traumas all all kinds of traumas all kinds of traumas but the abuse is happening yeah the abuse is happening all along anyway there's emotional abuse there's there's intimacy abuse there's all kinds of abuse that's and happening that when sexual anorexia when even when you are together and they're active in their porn and sex addiction there's all kinds of abuse that is happening and it is real it's real abuse it doesn't have to be physical where there's bruises there's all kinds of emotional oh, yeah. abuse where they're allowing you to feel that it's something wrong with you when it's actually nothing wrong with you, it's what's going on for them and what they're, you know, what they're watching and, and doing. Um, you but know, they will make you think. They will make yes. you think. They will work yes. very, very hard to make you think that it's your fault. Yes. My ex-husband still says it's my fault to this day. So does mine. So does mine. Yeah. It's yeah. all deflection. It's yes. uh, absolutely. So, so this, yes. this, these levels of abuse, are not only not really well known in the world as part of the sex addiction package, but they're not, they're not acknowledged. They're not validated. They're not, you know, you'll see so many, so many uh, different, you know, websites and counselors saying, Oh, you know, you know, maybe you could just, you know, understand, you know, where, where your, where your husband's coming from and, and maybe just like every guy watches porn. Well, I want to break that myth right now because I can tell you without question, not every man watches porn. Sandy, do you agree? Absolutely. Not every man watches porn. That is ridiculous. That is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my life. 
and they yeah. will try to convince you that every man does this. this you're overreacting. You're, you know, you're, you're crazy. That's a word that we hear a lot, isn't it, Shani? Mm-hmm. From, from both of us and from other partners that we, we talk to. They'll mm-hmm. tell you that you're crazy. You're not crazy. No. And you matter. You're not crazy. And your values and it, matter. Yes, and trust your gut. If your gut is yes. Is wrong, something is wrong. Trust those instincts. Even if you don't they're, know what they're it is. there, ladies. They're there. They're there, ladies. Trust your instincts and and trust your heart. Go with your heart. And and this isn't to say if there hasn't been any discovery and you're just wondering, these are all signs and symptoms. And and uh, I'm going to put up an article um, from Elements Behavioral Health about some of the signs and, and descriptions. Uh, I'm going to put it up on my website, empoweringcounseling.ca, and, and I'll also put it on the Facebook, um, my Facebook one as well. And um, I know, Allison, we had talked about having a, a Facebook closed group for the Butterfly Nation specifically. Uh, and this may yeah, be somewhere that's in the works right now, Sandy. Yeah, that is in the works right now. So uh, within the next week or so, I would say that we will have a Facebook page up for the Butterfly Nation, Nation. and we're also going to have a closed group. So yes. that means the closed group is something that people can find if they search for it, right. but it's not going to show up in your own feed. It's not going to show up. Uh, your friends won't be able to know you're in it unless they find the group and, and then they can and see you in it. But it's and, very and, unlikely and just, that people would try. Yeah, and just know also that when we do do these uh, groups, like Allison has one right now of um, for her own, the Butterfly Habit, and for the Butterfly Nation, um, we will keep that one as well, a, a closed group. But we're also um, we're going to ask a series of questions of people, so it's not just whoever asks to join can join. We're going to That's do right. some um, investigating to to make sure that um, it you know. So if you're uh, if a person's Facebook page, if we can't access it um, and it's a picture of a dog or a flower, the likelihood is that you will not be accepted. Um, that's right. And we, that's, that's the, the rule of thumb for this group absolutely is partners only. Partners I don't only. Care partners if, or if, ex-partners. If, um, yeah, yeah. Or ex-partners. Yes. Partners and ex-partners. If you've never experienced this, no, you don't understand. There's no way that you could understand it. And that's, I think, what, what Sandy and I want to bring to the yes. table as well, is that we are certified coaches and we understand yes. it because we've lived it. And you cannot now, learn this level of trauma from a book. Right, right. Now, having said that, you may not realize, you may suspect that you may be a partner or you were a partner and you're still um, having the residual trauma of it and, and the gaslighting and the feelings of, am I going crazy? And you may find us and just in our, in our interview of talking before we, you know, allow you to actually join the page, we will help you um, determine. And again, we're, we're not doctors. We're not psychologists. I'm a psychotherapist, but I'm not a psychologist. We cannot um, give your partner a diagnosis. These are the That's symptoms right. that we'll go, go through or go with. If, if you believe that your partner is exhibiting or ex-partner has exhibited these, these symptoms and you feel that you are a partner or ex-partner of someone with porn and sex addiction, then by all means that we will we'll have you join. But we, again, we'll have some questions Absolutely. that we'll ask you. 
and ask of you in order to. Um, All right. Sorry, Sandy. It's time to wrap up. we got three seconds. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh. Come back next week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.